comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. Mr. Stark. Yeah? Agent Coulson. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy from the uh, Strategic Homeland Intervention Enforcement Logistics Division. I need a new name for that. Yeah, I hear that a lot. That's being handled. That's what we do. Just call us sheep. Hey, what kind of gas mileage do you think the uh, flying car gets? Um, crappy. I'm thinking 25 on the highway, uh, 300 in the air. 300 in the air. Why would you ever stay on the ground? Uh, this is what I'm saying, man. Welcome to the Shield Podcast, Episode 1.0. We are out of the uh, less than one episodes. Finally, the pilot has arrived. Now, are we going to call them .0s from now on? Like, is next week going to be 2.0, or can we just say Episode 2? I would think it would be Episode 2, and if for some reason something crazy happens and we have to do another episode in between television episodes, then that'll be our point five. That's fine. Russell is here as well. Hi, Russell. Hi. The gang is all here. I don't think the three of us have ever done this show together. Have we? We probably have. It's been a while. I think we've done it once with the three of us, and then uh, the other times it's just been two out of the three. 66% of us. Many, many months ago, the S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast was conceived... And we finally got to see the pilot, which a lot of people were talking about for a long time. And Lord knows there was enough footage shown of the pilot uh, in various trailers and teasers and stuff like that. But we got it, finally. Did you guys feel like they showed too much after you watched this first episode? Yes. Really? Did you... um... What about you, John? I went on media blackout for a while. Um, I stopped watching S.H.I.E.L.D. footage after it got ridiculous. I couldn't get enough when I saw a a clip uh, somewhere. It was the, the scene with Coulson and Melinda May where he talks about, this is where the red tape is made. When I saw that, I just, I would have kept watching more clips had I seen it, but I wasn't spoiled by anything. I mean, I didn't feel like I saw too much. The good thing is, I think all the clips they've shown have just been the pilot episode. So we really haven't seen, I think the only footage of episode two or beyond I've seen is just in the, you know, next week on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. from the pilot. So I, I, I think going into it next week, I'll be a lot more refreshed and not waiting for things I know that I saw in a trailer somewhere. I would agree. I, I don't think they showed anything out of the ordinary, you know, conversely or contrastingly, whatever. Uh, with The Walking Dead, you know, those three or four minute trailers they give us each year to promote the new season. I'd say 90% of that comes from the first episode, but there's always something in those trailers that we've never, that we don't end up seeing in the first episode. True. So I guess the plan is, uh, to just wing it, right? We're, we're not gonna, we're not looking to do a point by point, uh, sort of linear synopsis. We're just gonna bring up stuff and, uh, talk about each episode as we go. I watched... The episode last night, obviously, and then 
with my brother and his wife and my nephew, who's 11, and he loved it. He absolutely loved it. My brother laughed several times. Uh, his wife, his wife likes the, I guess I could call her my sister-in-law. She likes the, you know, the Avengers movies, and I think she enjoyed her time. Maybe she just liked hanging out with family more than the show, but she didn't complain once. So, uh, we had a good time. One thing that I was I was really surprised with right off the bat, and maybe this would be a good way to start, uh, and I forgot to bring this up to Russell in our point nine episode. I was sort of expecting a previously in the Avengers and like a recap of what happened in New York and in the movie, knowing that they were going to be using a lot of that stuff to get us started on the television program. And they really didn't. And they sort of threw us right into like what happened in New York and Chitari, uh, you know, they were talking about some Chitari artifacts and they were throwing different terms out. Um, and I was wondering if did anybody watch it with anybody who maybe wasn't as familiar with the Avengers and the movie, you know, if it was a little confusing or if it was easy to just jump into or or what did you guys think about that? My gut feeling about that is that anybody watching the show has seen the Avengers at least once if not multiple times, so why waste valuable real estate? You know, you've only got 42 minutes to introduce this show, so why waste even a minute of it recapping when probably is safe to say everybody watching this show has seen it, and, you know, they did mention the Battle of New York. She even said, New York, the battle was the end of the world, this is the new world. That's all you need to know. You don't need to know specifics other than all these superheroes were involved. And they did kind of give a quick rundown of the superheroes involved. You know, there was mentions of the god and the green monster and the man in the iron suit. Like, they sort of named all of them without naming any of them. Costumed World War II hero, I think they said. From the 40s? Yeah. Yeah. And I like the line where Ward says, I don't think he's technically a god. And she's like, you haven't been near his arms. Yeah. <laughs> They mentioned Agent Romanoff by name because when they talked about Agent Ward, they said, you know, they talked about his testing and it's he, he's I think it said second only to Romanoff or or close, you know, close his his his, you know, chart is close to Agent Romanoff. So I thought that was kind of cool. Yes, they did. They did definitely um, mention her by name. They didn't mention anybody else by name. I would have liked to have heard Barton's name, but. Uh, you know, we saw those little action figures of all six of the guys at the beginning when the kid's looking through the window. Right. That, I was surprised by that, too, that they were, I mean, because that started right off. You know, we get the, the narration and we get the, you know, the, we've seen it in the trailer, the images of, um, you know, Thor with the hammer and the shield. You know, we get all that. And then they immediately go to that storefront with the action figures. Uh, and I, 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 I wasn't expecting that at all. Now, I wasn't expecting Maria Hill right off the bat. I mean, I knew that Colby yeah. Smulders was, was going to show up, but they brought her right out, which was kind of cool. I made a list, uh, some notes. Let me see if I can find it. No. No, that's my recipe for lasagna soup. Hang on a second. There we go. Um, Let me just uh, go through a, a two or three of these, um, and these all happened at the beginning of the show. Did you guys notice Stark Tower visible in the opening shot? No, I did not. It was on the right side of the frame, and it had the A on it, but that's all. It, so it looked like they hadn't yet gotten around to 
repairing the word Stark or maybe changing it to Avengers. But it was far enough away that all you could see was the A. Maybe it was the A, the new A logo for the Avengers or whatever, but it was definitely there. Very cool. That's what two viewings will get you. Yeah. Because yeah. I, didn't, I didn't see it the first time. I'm going to try to get a screenshot of that up on the old Facebook page. At the beginning, when all the people are using their cell phones to record video of the event, I asked my brother out loud, I said, why, why didn't Joss Whedon tell everybody to hold their phones vertically? Because <laughs> we all know vertical, I'm sorry, horizontally, because we all know vertical video is bad video. It's bad TV. And Kevin said, obviously, he was trying to make this as realistic as possible. And if you think <laughs> about it, most people in the heat of the moment might just grab their phone and start shooting instead of, and a, there are definitely, there's a, there's a, a large section of the population that don't give a rat's behind about whether or not they're holding it horizontally or vertically. Horizontally. That's a new word. Yeah. I just invented a new word horizontally or vertically. And, but we must tell the listeners that Brad, uh, vertical video is a huge pet peeve of yours. Yeah. I mean, I'm in the, I was in the TV business for a long time, a video editor, and uh, you know when you watch videos on YouTube and you see like big black squares on the either side of vertical video, that's the result of the vertical video. So it's just it's just bad, people. Hold your hold your phone horizontally or horizontally. <laughs> I like that new word. I like that one a lot. Now let me ask you this, because I have found the A in the Stark Tower in the shot you're talking about. Did you nose up to the TV and study every building in the shot because it's rather small? No. Um, I have a large TV that I was sitting close to. I didn't put my nose in it. Okay. It's not in your face. It's there. Don't get me wrong. It's there, but it's pretty small. Well, it's definitely not a normal New York building, so it kind of stood out to me as far as what I would think a New York skyline would look like. Right. I mean, you live there, dude. I'm surprised you didn't notice it right off the bat. Nope. Um, I hope we see more of the blonde that was in that apartment. <laughs> and by more of by more of the blonde, I I mean in future episodes, we saw quite a lot of her, you know, uh, in this episode when you talk about the other way. But that seemed kind of random, and she seemed unconcerned. So obviously, she's you know part of a a big bad of something, right? I mean, was that just random? She looked so not put out by what was going on. Yeah, she she's definitely seen left. Yeah, she's definitely seen that kind of behavior before. That was the message I think. Yeah. Yeah, that was and I again, I think there's a lot of Joss Whedonisms, but to me on the surface that scene could have seemed very gratuitous and unnecessary, but I think the fact that he had her instead of screaming and running around like uh like a maniac, the fact that she just stood there completely disinterested like Oh my God! This again, really, guys? We, we, this has got to be brought in here again. Um, I think is what made it not seem gratuitous and and add a touch of humor to it. She almost kind of rolled her eyes at it. Yeah, yeah. That was the only. I mean, speaking of that scene in general, there was a lot of cool things in there with the tech. You know, the whole the way he read the the fingerprints on the thing, and then the plate turned into this uh, x-ray scanner type device. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, him going up on the roof and escaping on a helicopter on a rope, that was the only part of, of the episode I thought was, that's, it just seemed kind of cheesy. Like, uh, 
like maybe over the top cheesy James Bondish kind of thing going on. Um, but not so much that it took me out. But if 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 I have any small 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 pet peeve or thing that just kind of made me roll my eyes slightly, it was it was that bit at the end. That didn't bother me so much. The roof escape. It just seemed kind of logical. I'll tell you what, as the potential for bothering me is the convenience of the tech they have. I love gadgets. I love technology. I love the newest thing just as much as you guys do. But is technology really going to help them out of every jam that they have on this show? I've heard them mention gadgets several times when describing (laughs) the show. I mean, even at the very end, you know, the third option that Coulson asks Fitz and Simmons, who are a great duo, by the way, love them. The third option that he asked them to come up with is a tech solution. You know, it's not our tech, somebody else's. It's not of this world, but nevertheless, it was a tech solution. So I'm kind of hoping that it doesn't devolve into which gadget's going to save the day this week. Yeah, I mean, I I agree that could get kind of old, but I mean, if you're going to be true to, um, you know, S.H.I.E.L.D. as a concept, that's always kind of been a part of what S.H.I.E.L.D. is from the comics uh, and, and the Marvel Universe in general, is always kind of having these crazy gadgets. I mean, Nick Fury didn't carry a pistol, he carried a needle gun for a long time. And just, there were all, you know, the flying car and, and all that kind of stuff. I mean, that's just been a staple of uh, of of Nick Fury as a character and Shield as an organization, so I think I think some of that is flowing through. But I I, I agree with you, Brad. I think from a serialized TV perspe- perspective, I think it'll just get a little predictable if it if it just turns out that there's a MacGuffin that that solves the problem every week instead of you know some of it being solved by their wits or by uh, you know brute force or what have you. Speaking of tech, the little flying gizmos that Fitz called, uh, one of them he called Bashful, and then, I don't know if you caught it, but he was singing, hi-ho, hi-ho, it's off to work, we go. Yeah. How many of those little gadgets do you think would have risen up out of the suitcase and went about their business? Seven, right? I counted eight. I counted eight. Yeah, there were definitely eight, but obviously that was a, was there an eighth dwarf that we never heard of, or? Stinky. Stinky, maybe so. (laughs) Maybe so. I thought the way Agent Ward explained what S.H.I.E.L.D. meant was a really good way to introduce the show. Just get it out there, get it over with, make light of it almost. You know, the the acronym or whatever. Hopefully yeah. we won't have to hear that over and over again. Yeah, I mean, and it's, it's, it's definitely, again, another Whedonism. It's something we all kind of think about, and then, you know, they just come right out and say it. And it's like, oh, yeah, that's pretty obvious. The one thing that really uh, sort of shocked me right away, and maybe this is because I skipped a lot of the promos and stuff, um, the tone. I really wasn't expecting this light of a tone for the show. And I probably should have expected it, knowing, you know, Buffy the Vampire Slayer and and that this is, you know, after all, this is now Disney and, and for a younger audience and everything. Um, but I guess the TV I'm watching recently, you know, your Breaking Bads and your Sons of Anarchy and even like Walking Dead, I just got used to like a more serious tone and this was a little surprising. I mean, it was a nice change and I enjoyed it, but I don't, I wasn't expecting it. Yeah, I guess I, for me, it, it was about what I thought. Um, I guess it got a little more 
serious. You know, Colson was kind of playing it a little light, and I, I think we'll talk when we get into Colson uh, in general. I think we'll talk about that a little more. But he he did kind of take a turn towards the end. You know, where he you know when he kind of yelled at Fitz and Simmons like, "Don't you know? Don't ever tell me there's no other way. Um, you know, just get it done." And it, it, you know that there was no lightheartedness in that in that at all and then from there it kind of got a little more straight than in the than like in the first three quarters of it I would say yeah I mean right off the bat with the uh when he comes out of the shadows yeah and and he makes the crack you know I'm sorry it was dark in the corner I think there was a bulb out or something like that I mean right away that was like jarring I was like wow that was you know I I laughed I mean it was funny but uh just different I guess and and I was trying to remember back like when we first met Colson, you know, uh, when he's approaching, I guess, Tony Stark at the end of the Hulk? No. When is he in the bar with... We first see him in Iron Man when he keeps trying to have a, a debrief with Tony in in the first right. Iron Man. And, and, and Pepper and Tony just keep right. blowing him and, off. And in that setting, you know, they're playing him against Tony Stark, the playboy... You know, so I, I seem to remember him as being like very dry and like no sense of humor at all, oh, yeah. like total killjoy type of character. And I guess you know they've evolved him over time, and for him to be the focus of this show, they certainly had to give him like a bigger personality and stuff. What came first, Iron Man two or Thor? Iron Man two. Okay. Well, he obviously, you know, started having a sense of humor there, um, but he still played it pretty dry. I mean. He what did, he said? but you know, he he said, um, you know, I'm authorized to. If you try to leave the premises, I'll tase you and watch Super Nanny or whatever I'll, he said. I'll watch you, you know, drooling in the corner. You'll I'll leave you drooling in the corner yeah. while I watch Super Nanny. You know, and then um, in Thor, he had a little bit of dry humor too. You know, is, is this one of Stark's? I don't know. He never tells us anything, or yeah, you know, he he just seemed. But you're right. The first movie, he was. He was not that way. It right. just kind of evolved. And I like it, and I didn't mind any of the... That's part of the, one of the reasons I liked it so much. I mean, especially in Avengers when he's talking to Cap, you know. He's got the fanboy thing going on. Yeah, which I guess we could talk about it now, cause, since we're kind of hinting around at it. But, you know, obviously, Coulson, you know, quote-unquote, dies towards the end of the Avengers. It's kind of the catalyst to get them to work as a team and to... And to, to complete the mission and at the beginning ward thinks that colson's dead colson comes out uh you know he acknowledges the fact that yes he was dead for a brief amount of time when as he put it um he was shanked by the asgardian mussolini which i thought that was pretty funny um and then he says well and then you know fury put me on an you know in tahiti to, to recuperate, and he talks about it being a magical place, which at first I thought, okay, well, is that a hint to something? Like, is he trying to say that, uh, you know, Tahiti was magical? Um, and then, you know, they make a point of saying, you know, Ron Glass says, well, you know, he doesn't know or something like that, and Maria Hill says he can never know. Uh, so it obviously I think that's going to be a big point that plays forward. We kind of knew that going into the series, but it it makes you wonder because of his change in demeanor. He seems a little more like you know John, like you were saying, a little lighthearted. He's smiling more. He's kind of a little more aloof than what we see the very straight laced by the book. Um, you know, Coulson. Even when he's kind of cracking a joke, he does it very dryly. And in this, he seems 
like when he talks to, to Melinda May and says, oh, this must be where they make the red tape. Um, and then the bit where, you know, he he they give uh, Ward the, the truth serum. So it makes you wonder, like, is is this the real, you know, I think there's a lot of theories out there. I mean, one that we kind of talked about before is, is Coulson an LMD or was the old Coulson, Coulson an LMD? And by that, I mean a life model decoy, which anybody that follows the comics at all, that's a huge trope with Nick Fury and S.H.I.E.L.D. is that everybody has a life model decoy, which is an android replica of that individual. Um, and anytime you think somebody's dead, it's always a life model decoy or somebody's in trouble. It's always a life model decoy. Um, so that's one. The other could, you know, maybe he was revived through some sort of either Asgardian or alien technology. And maybe, you know, when he talks about Tahiti being magical, you know, maybe they found a way to transport him to Asgard or something or one of the nine realms to heal. Um, and they're just playing coy with that. I don't see this Coulson that we're getting now being the LMD. Just because after they reveal that, which might be at the end of season one, I mean, I don't think it's something that they're going to string out forever, not knowing the deal with Coulson. I think at some point it will be revealed. Let's say it's the middle of season one where we find out what the deal is. If he's an LMD, there's no threat ever for him. Right. Like, there's, he can't get into any trouble that you would care about because if he dies, they can just have another one. So I'm thinking that this is the human Coulson and the Avengers had the LMD. Or they replaced him, you know, right before he was killed in the movie. But, and then, you know, had the LMD get killed. But why would they not want him to know that? Yeah, something, it's got to be something other than the LMD. That's just too yeah. convenient. Yeah, well, and it's got to be, I don't know, they, they said the word magical. Yeah over and over again when describing Tahiti. So maybe they uh they took a Chitari and had to give him a heart transplant of a Ch- of a Chitari alien or something like that. <laughs> it would have to be something that he wouldn't agree with cuz they can't tell him. Right. Right. I hope it's something none of us can think of. Oh, I'm sure even, it is. And it's Joss even Whedon. better. Yeah, that's Joss Whedon's thing. Yeah. But I like that again it kind of throws out where each of these each of these episodes could be you know mostly self-contained but there's there's a couple crumbs that are out there. I mean obviously the big mystery at the, well there's two big mysteries I think at this point. One is what happened to Coulson? How is he back? Why don't they want and, and I think more, more important even than him coming back is why do they not want him to know? I mean that's that's the real meat of that discussion. And the other is kind of I think they dropped a few hints at that there's some big bad that's behind everything that's going on from, you know, Ward finding the Chitari technology in France to, you know, as kind of the show opener to the, the extremist slash super soldier serum tech, which is behind, uh, uh, J August Richards character, uh, and, and the other one. So, I, you know, that coming into play and that there's somebody kind of pulling the strings when they talk about the centipede. I know I've heard some, say that maybe Hydra is behind this, you know, because it kind of fits in with, um, you know, centipede, you know, that kind of metaphor. Right. They won me over when they used Extremis. Yeah, that was pretty awesome. Yeah. There was one thing that Hill said, and I couldn't tell what she was saying, even when I rewound it. She was referring to the Chitsari tech, and she said something about 
did we ever figure out who Unintelligible was going to sell it to, or why Unintelligible was trying to sell it? She said a name. It almost sounded like she said Longshot, but that wouldn't make any sense. Yeah, I don't. I I didn't. I didn't catch that. I I just kind of took it as they were trying to figure out like who the. Again, I think that kind of fits into maybe who's who's pulling the strings behind this whole you know deal. She made a reference to wondering why somebody was trying to sell the tech, and I thought she said an actual name, but I never could quite catch what it was. And I haven't figured out how to get closed captions on my TV. Something's weird about my TV. So, Before we get too much farther, I think it's interesting that they said that the Avengers weren't level 7. Yeah. I mean, Romanoff and Barton are S.H.I.E.L.D. agents. And they're saving the world, but they're not level 7 yet? Well, I would think probably Romanoff and Barton are, but probably not the rest of them because they're they're not formal shield agents they don't really work for the government i think we kind of saw in the avengers too that fury was kind of manipulating them you know that there was other stuff going on you know the whole um you know dark energy project the you know the hydra tech and all that kind of stuff so i would i would be surprised if if like a barton and a romanoff weren't set level seven uh, and, you know, too, it, I'm sure this is a TV construct that's being shoehorned in to the movie side of things. But uh, but that's that's my take on it. Yeah, I, I got the feeling that they're really trying to play off the fact that, you know, New York happened recently. Fury threw the Avengers together to deal with that threat. But superheroes are still like a new thing. You know, they talked about unregistered heroes and like they're still trying to figure this all out and, and get them all documented and, and sort of keep tabs on them. You know, and, and the Avengers fall into that, I think. You know, S.H.I.E.L.D. is the overriding, you know, they're the umbrella authority. And any superheroes that they might employ, you know, are just that, employees. Another thing that uh, Hill said that caught my ear was uh, she talked about heroes. They were... were uh, Referring to them as unregistered gifted right. sounded to me like a, a PC way of saying a uh, strange, freaky person. <laughs> well, they can't, from a license perspective, use the term mutant. Right. So that's their, I think that's their way around the whole mutant conversation is to use either registered gifted or unregistered gifted. Hmm, maybe so. Did y'all also um, catch the, well, it was a Thor Easter egg of sorts. Yes. Did you? John, did you catch it? No. Which one's the girl? Is that Simmons? Simmons, yes. Simmons asks Ward, are you ready to join us on our journey into mystery? Oh, yes. I, I did catch yeah. that. I did. Yeah. That was cool. And the other Spider-Man one, the uh, with great responsibility comes... With no, great with power. great power comes a lot of weird, freaky stuff. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. For those listeners that don't know, Journey into Mystery was the name of the comic book in which Thor premiered. Right. Right? Yeah. And the yeah. Spider-Man line that has been said, you know, over and over, uh, with great power comes great responsibility, that they sort of played off that one. Yeah, I smiled real big when she said that. You know what? It didn't bother me, but it's just noticeable, and I can't 
figure out why they would go this route. This is the stupidest thing ever, but that's what we do. Why are they using two different shield logos? You know what I'm talking about? Yes, I wondered that myself because one is the traditional bird right. curvy one and the other one is the very angular the movie straight one. one. Right. One of them's clearly the movie. Well, in the movie they use the other one too. Did they like on the trucks and stuff? N- not on the trucks, but when when we first go into the facility where they're doing the cube and up on the wall, I'm I, I'm almost positive this is the case where there's the NASA logo, and then there's the S.H.I.E.L.D. logo. And I'm almost positive that the S.H.I.E.L.D. logo there is the curvy one. Yeah. Doesn't one of them have the actual word S.H.I.E.L.D. on it, and the other one's just the bird-looking thing? No, some, no. Of, the, some of the bird-looking ones don't have S.H.I.E.L.D. written on it. I mean, I'm, I'm flipping through uh, my iTunes file of the... Uh, of the episode and they're just it's almost like random like <laughs> they're they're angular in some spots and on their uniforms and then it's the regular like you know more i guess you would call it realistic bird you know like with the curves and stuff on a lot of the vehicles and in other windows and stuff it's just weird they just they bounce back and forth for some reason yeah i i don't i know that's been pointed out just on the net before and i don't i don't know it seems like a weird detail to not get right. And the only thing I can think of is maybe, you know, they, they had a bunch of stuff commissioned at first and then they decided to change it and just were like, ah, it's too expensive to reproduce all that stuff. So they just kind of went with it or I, I don't know. Well, yeah. maybe, maybe it'll hit us one day. Oh, the one logo usually shows up in these places and these things. And the second logo only shows up on this and that. Maybe it's, you know, something like that, but we just haven't seen enough to realize it. Right. I doubt it's an error. You know, I, I'm sure Yeah. there's some uh, reason behind it. I will try and keep my eye out for some sort of pattern. You already mentioned it, but I wanted to mention again, that truth serum bit was unexpected, and I loved it. I mean, it did not, totally did not go the way I expected it. The only thing I didn't care for was when the guy says, Gramsci? Yeah, that was that was just a little silly, but the fact that he would do that to one of his agents just to gain the trust of this asset, I thought that was pretty clever. Now, does she, Sky? I'm I'm referring to. Is her thing? Is her? I call it an organization, but I think as far as we know, it's just her right now that's doing the hacking and like posting the videos and stuff. Is she the rising tide, or is it two different things? No, I think it's her, and she's the only one. It's just that was her internet persona. Okay, because I guess guess I'm getting ahead of myself, but from, like, the previews for what's coming next, it seems like the rising tide is more. Yeah. So maybe she doesn't know what she's into, like that type of thing, or... I guess it's probably not for discussion right now. But as far as we know, the stuff she posts goes under that Rising Tide tag and has that logo and stuff, right? Yeah. Wasn't it, you know, Brad, to go back to what you were saying, was it Rising Tide they thought was responsible for grabbing that Chitauri tech or or something? I, Cause I don't know. I'd have to I know, watch it again. I'm not, I'm not certain. I know when they cornered her at one point and they asked her about something bad that happened, and they they pinned it on rising tide, and she's like, I had no idea or no knowledge of that. You know, I, this is you know, I'm just living out of my van, basically posting a bunch of stuff up. 
um, to the site. So it seemed to me like she was just a contributor um, and, and part of that organization. And obviously, I guess as, as another mystery, I, I think there's a lot of mysteries, you know, on the show. Uh, you know, what happened to Coulson? You know, why is Melinda May now just the quote unquote pilot? You know, what happened to her to cause her to come, you know, out from the field to behind the desk? And then Sky, because they, they basically, she basically admitted to the fact that she used this skill she has to give people new identity on herself. So, like, what, what, you know, who was she before? Why did she do this? You know, that kind of thing. I, I never got that Rising Tide was anything other than her from this episode. Uh, it may have just been something I missed. Um, and I didn't, I didn't quite catch it from the preview. I mean, I believe you guys and, uh, part of me would think that it would be interesting if it was more than just her, like she was a pawn in, in their schemes or whatever. What did you guys think of, uh, the CGI and effects and stuff? I didn't see anything that, that jumped out, you know, really horrible, bad. There were, maybe it's just because I'm, like I said, was involved with video production a lot, but there were some chroma key shots. There were some, I'll say it this way, there were some blue screen or green screen, but it looked blue to me that that kind of might not have been done as well as they could have been. Um, sometimes the characters had like blue fuzzy halos, very subtle, but it was there around their heads and things like that. Um, one of my noticed was when Michael was in the hospital room and, uh, he was about to jump out the window and he said, this is an origin story. It, it, to me, it just looked like, uh, that blue aura was surrounding him in a big way. It just, that was the only thing that I could complain about if I and I use the word complain lightly I thought uh, I didn't notice the blue halo stuff that that you that you're saying um, I thought it was weakest right in the beginning like when Michael was like climbing up the building and jumping out of the building and stuff um, I thought it was a little weak then but I thought it really picked up when they did all the tech stuff when they did the recreation of like the video using uh, what were they using the audio to create the waves like to to recreate and and when all the um you know those little bugs that they were using to sculpt the room that we talked about earlier like that stuff all looked good to me just like i said a little bit in the beginning with the jumping and the scaling of the building and stuff I thought it was a little off. And maybe maybe when Michael uh had hit some people that like flipped really far in the air and stuff like that. It might have been a little hokey. I mean, not bad for TV at all, but I guess when we're seeing Marvel stuff we're so used to big budget movies. I didn't think anything was was hokey. I I know what you're saying about him climbing the wall. You know, but for a TV budget, I thought everything looked uh really good. Yeah, that's what I would say. For for a TV budget, I thought the CGI looked pretty good, but you know, does it hold up to, you know, movie level, Avengers level stuff? You know, obviously not. But it wasn't it definitely wasn't enough to annoy me, irritate me, or even take me out of it. Cool. What else you got on your uh list, Bradley? Um I thought it was funny when Sky referred to Ward as the T one thousand. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was pretty funny. I'm really going to be a big fan of, of Joss Whedon's writing on this. Earlier, I'd mentioned a couple of things that weren't S.H.I.E.L.D. 
related, uh, did you guys see the new Thor trailer that they showed? Yes. That was pretty awesome. Lots of really uh, good new stuff in it. Yeah, and there was, it's funny, I was reading, I was telling John when we recorded Point Nine that one of the things I read uh, uh, was the Entertainment Weekly article with Joss Whedon, and apparently he was called in, Alan Taylor, the director of Thor The Dark World, called him in to London to kind of script doctor some stuff, and apparently he literally flew in, stayed for a day, cleaned up a few lines, and then flew back out. Um, and there's a line in in the Thor Dark World trailer where, you know, she says, you know, you were in New... What did she say? You were in New York, and, uh, you know, he's... I forget what he said. Like, I was I was busy, or I was stopping an invasion, or something like that. And she's... And, and she says, well, that's... You know, what kind of excuse is that, or something like that? And it's like, oh, it's a pretty, pretty good one, actually. Um, I, I definitely kind of took that as one of the lines that he... Uh, had some hand in, but I, the more I see a Thor of the Dark World, I, I think I'm going to like this one more than I did the first one. Yeah, it really looks good, and I, and I would agree that that little conversation between the two of them, it it fe- it it tasted like Joss Whedon. Yeah. The other thing I was going to mention was, did you guys see the Star Wars Pringles commercial? I don't think I saw that. I saw the Angry Birds Star Wars commercial. It was a Pringles commercial, and. It was in an office setting, and this guy was, uh, Darth Vader came in drinking coffee out of a Galaxy's Best Boss cup, and then they started having a lightsaber fight, and then it cut back to reality, and it's just the guy holding a Pringles can, swinging it around, making lightsaber noises. No, I didn't see that. It was pretty funny, actually. Just going through my notes, too, I got a couple things. Uh, one, one of them was, it looked like... Uh, I don't know, when when Coulson was first talking to Ward and they talked about having the helicarrier, you know that 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 basically their base of operations is an old, you know, shield transport that they've kind of uh, confiscated for their for what they're doing, and he he goes to tell Ward a joke and then gets interrupted and then just basically says, uh, well I was going to tell a joke but it, you know you it, you killed the mood. I thought he was going to tell like a, uh. You know, the part of the joke in the in the Marvel comic universe is the whole every time a shield helicarrier is up in the air, it ends up crashing. Um, I, I something tells me he was going to tell some sort of joke related to the fact that the helicarrier always crashes or some something to that effect. Yeah, that would have been funny, and it, and it seems like uh, there's going to be some inside baseball here. I mean, he's not shying away from it. Right. Did you catch the Project Pegasus reference? I seem to recall them saying it now that you mention it. Same here, but I'm not familiar enough to know what that is. Well, it's funny because they mentioned it with all the other, you know, crazy stuff going on. And one mention was made to Project Pegasus in New Mexico, which, um, for those that don't know, Project Pegasus in the Marvel Universe is kind of this research facility that they ended up basically turning into a prison and all these crazy uh, villains in the Marvel Universe end up getting housed there. Uh, in the Marvel Universe, it's in it's in the Adirondack Mountains in New York, but they mentioned it being New Mexico, which makes me wonder if it ties in, if they're trying to tie it into the Hulk somehow. Right. But they weren't real clear on that. They just kind of made an offhanded reference, uh, said it was in New Mexico, and then that was it. So, uh, so again, you know, just more of the whole tying into 
the movie universe, the comic universe, kind of throwing little hints out there. And what's cool about that stuff is even if you if you're not familiar with it, you'll just take it as like an offhanded reference and just move on. Like it's not distracting enough. But again, it's it's like you know in the movies when we you know hunt for all these Easter eggs, uh, you know we see we're seeing them in the TV show. Something tells me that they probably loaded up the pilot with that, and that it's not going to be a constant thing. Um, because I think I think if it went on for too long, it might be a little distracting to constantly have these you know in joke references. But I think if they sprinkle them in there often enough, I think it'll be kind of fun. I want to ask a question, but I'll introduce it. Um, by referencing another TV show in another comic book universe. Um, Arrow, have you guys watched Arrow? Yeah, yes. some of it. I didn't finish the season, but I, I saw most of it. Same here. I'm not a huge Green Arrow fan, but I adore that TV show. It's well done. It's well thought out. Maybe it's because Jeff Johns has something to do with it, but they're introducing more and more characters from the DC universe into this show. And apparently shortly after shield debuted last night, they announced a new commissioner Gordon TV show, which feels a lot like DC's version of agents of shield TV show. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So, DC seems to have the TV thing down, where Marvel seems to have the movie thing down. Um, I'm hoping that S.H.I.E.L.D. is the beginning of Marvel's getting the TV thing down. And I'm wondering if you guys... We've talked about this briefly in, in several of the other previous episodes, but do you, after seeing one, after we have one under our belt, do you think it would be a good idea to introduce more characters from the Marvel Universe? Or should we just concentrate on these new people that we're just learning about? It's funny. I don't know the answer to that question, but I know that after seeing the pilot, I said to myself, a lot of the fantasies that we dreamed up are not happening on this show. You know, we're not seeing Daredevil. We're not seeing Punisher. You know, this show is going to be about these characters that they've created and Agent Coulson and occasionally Maria Hill. And, you know, we're not Robert Downey Jr. is not stopping by, (laughs) you know, for some reason. That's the feeling I got out of the pilot. Maybe it was that fun tone, you know, that now certain things wouldn't work on this show. You know, Matt Murdock or the Punisher would not work on this show. Yeah, I'm kind of hoping based on what we saw just in the pilot. And, you know, the other thing to keep in mind is a lot of times the pilot will have one tone and one look, and there's usually such a gap between pilot and regular season that we could see some differences in episode two going forward. So we could see a slight tonal shift. We could see a slight character characterization shift. So it really kind of remains to be seen to some degree. But um I I hope they just keep it with these characters for now and they don't try and bring that in because I think it just kind of it, it I think it'll be seen as stunt casting um but I think once they establish these characters once we get past kind of the mysteries and what makes them tick I think to pull more in to keep it fresh and to keep it alive might be not a bad idea I think if we're going to see 
other Marvel characters in. I think it's going to be on the villain side, not on the hero side. Uh, and that's that's just me, you know, thinking out loud. But I, th- I think that may be the route they're going to go. I, it, it's funny, not to keep rehashing, but one of the things I said to John uh, when we did Point Nine was, I think if we see a Chris Evans, Chris Hemsworth, uh, Robert Downey Jr., you know, you know, Sam Jackson, whatever, pop up in this show, I think that means that it's in trouble. Um, and I think that caliber of character popping in the show would be used to get a ratings boost. Um, and and that if it, if it keep if it continues to do well, I think we'll just see it kind of humming along like it has. The fanboy in me still wants to see that, but that's you know, there's another part of me that that agrees and I wouldn't want to see that because that means they're having to resort to something else to keep the show alive. And I'd rather it just stand on its own merits. Yeah. I mean, we kind of touched on it before, but the fact that they brought extremists into it really surprised me. I mean, I was not expecting that at all. Um, you know, they made mention at first about the, the super soldier serum and that crazy tech thing that was on, you know, J. August Richards arm that was giving him his powers. But when they went full blown extremists, I was uh, that really, really surprised me because, you know, being that Iron Man is, you know, so new, you know, especially related to when they would have, you know, greenlit and shot this thing and everything. I that I was really surprised and not in a bad way. I thought that was kind of cool that they, they brought that in. And I also kind of like the angle that somebody was experimenting on Michael and that's why he was the way that he was. For some reason, I thought that, you know, they were yeah. just going to find a super-powered person and sort of follow up on it. But now adding yeah. the intrigue of, you know, somebody's doing this to people adds a little bit of, uh, you know, adds some stakes to it as well. Yeah, there there was no indication in any of anything that I saw of, of the preview footage or promos and that indicated that Michael was anything other than just a naturally superhuman. And... I'm hoping. See, I, I'm about, I was about to say I'm hoping we see some actual superhumans, but I want it to be. This sounds funny saying saying this out loud. I want it to be as realistic as possible. And they also can't, you know, they can't undermine the movie franchises. I mean, if if there's superheroes with you know really, let me put it this way: if there's if there's high level superheroes or people with high-level super abilities on the TV show, you know, like, then what? why aren't they in the movies? You know what I mean? Like, I, I think you need to yeah. keep Thor, Iron Man, Captain America, I think you need to keep them elevated so that the TV universe is always kind of looking up at them. Yeah, I agree 100%. Yeah. I, I think there are plenty of C, D, E, F-level heroes slash villains in the Marvel Universe they could draw on from here until infinity and not run through them all without having to touch the big boys. Right. And it may all be like tech pseudoscience stuff. Yeah. So somebody trying to perfect the super soldier serum, somebody messing with gamma radiation, which they mentioned as well on this episode, you know, extremis, but I don't think there's going to be any Asgardians walking around. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or, if they are, they're going to be nameless. You know, we're not going to see Volstag or, you know, Sif or, you know, any of the, you know, any of them, you know, running around. 
Did you guys notice this? This I don't know why this took me aback or why I, I'm, I noticed it and made such a mental note in my brain as I did. But at the end of the episode, when Coulson and Sky are talking and he's trying to do his final recruit push and they go to get in the car, um, Coulson has a gray suit on with like a white shirt and a, I think a light colored tie. And I started thinking about it. I was like, that's the first time he hasn't been in his like official shield, dark blue, you know, slash black suit, whether it be the movies or or this show. And I, I don't know if there was some significance to that or I don't know if if they're just trying to change it up a little bit. But I thought it was interesting that, you know, he he wasn't dressed casually, but yet he wasn't in his signature suit. I didn't notice that. And part of me is proud of myself for not noticing that. <laughs> um, but no, you're right. I mean, I wonder why. I wonder what that, why that choice was made, and what that was supposed to signify. Maybe it, who whose house were they at? That was. Wasn't that was where that, they where they set up uh, Michael, like his new or or the kid? So maybe they were dropping his son off at some family's house or something like that. Because I think they made reference to Michael still recovering. Yeah. He's going to yeah. be fine or something like that. So maybe they were dropping yeah. him off at Grandma's house or something. I don't know. Maybe he's just trying to look less threatening to people. Yeah, and then, like I said, and I think maybe part of it was just, again, this mystery behind Coulson and maybe who he is or who he isn't now. Uh, you know, I don't know if that was if that was supposed to mean anything or not. And like I said, it could be just me overthinking it, which probably it is, but... I don't know why that just stood out to me that it was just he was dressed so differently than any other time we've seen him. Did you guys expect the flying car bit? Oh yeah. Not so soon. I expected it, but I didn't expect it in the pilot. I haven't read enough old school Avengers comics to have expected the flying car bit, but I liked it. Yeah, I mean that's old school Steranko shield stuff right there. I mean that's 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 old school Nick Fury. I don't know why I had it in my brain oh so many weeks ago, John, that I had read somewhere that Sam Jackson was going to be in the pilot. And we mentioned it on the show. Yeah, we definitely did, and apparently it was unconfirmed rumor stuff. Hmm. Well, I feel silly now, but I didn't, I didn't expect him to show up last night, but I know for a long time I, I was just knew for a fact that he was going to be in the pilot. And then... I don't know where I got that information, but uh, Maria Hill looked a little different. Was it because of her hair? Was it longer? She yeah, just had I, longer I think, hair. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay. And apparently, she is going to be not a regular, certainly, but she will be back a few times before the end of season one. And then I think it's kind of open ended for the future, as uh, How I Met Your Mother ends this season. Yeah. So she might have more time for. Subsequent seasons. Of the five new characters, not including Coulson, which one intrigues you the most? Melinda May. Yeah, I agree. I've always liked Ming-Na, especially back when she was on ER, when I was watching ER Hot and Heavy. Yeah. She was on it at the time. She was always really fun to watch. And um, I would I would like to know a little bit more about her. They They kind of teased her past and they teased Ward's past a lot. Did I, did I miss something that um, what happened was I started watching it live and then I had to stop and then I caught up after on DVR and I think I might have missed some 
small bits of information. Did they allude to the fact that he did something wrong at some point or like something that would give you the idea of a checkered past or maybe not a perfect record in the field, something like that? Or maybe he's no. just like a hothead killer type guy. He's I, I think it's just that he's a loner. Like he's not a team he just, and you made a point of that that he goes on missions. He's 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 a hammer, right? I mean, he goes in, he does his job, he goes home. That's it. Like he's not he's not there to make friends, he's not there to influence people, he doesn't work as a part of a team or anything like that. Uh and he's I obviously think never read that book. Yeah, yeah. He sees everything as a nail. Yes. Didn't they? Didn't Coulson at least once, maybe twice, make reference to like family trouble or in, in the past family history or something for Ward? Yeah, I thought he he made a reference, a couple of references to Ward's past. One of which I I could have sworn he said something about his family history or something. Yeah, I think could- you're right. Could be, yeah. I don't, I don't recall it right offhand, but yeah, you, you definitely could be right. I'm gonna watch it again, not, not anytime soon, but definitely before next episode. Speaking of next episode, there was an interesting bit in the, in the preview for next week where the announcer says, "Trust us, you'll want to see the end of each episode. Like something big's gonna happen in the end of each episode." Or I just felt. I just found that to be kind of odd. Yeah, that was a strange promo. That That's kind of a we. Yeah, I thought that was odd, too, and I think maybe... I, I was a little concerned that they may be overselling it, but that's kind of a Whedon trope as well. I mean, Whedon, if if you watch Buffy or you watched uh, Angel or even Dollhouse, I, he didn't do it so much with Firefly, um, but those three shows, there was always usually some kind of stinger at the end that wasn't like a cliffhanger, but something out there that usually drops some, you know, knowledge on you to lead to something down the road. And sometimes it wouldn't pay off for two, three, four, five episodes away, but there was usually always something at the end. Like I said, that little stinger at the end of the episode after the main plot line was, was resolved uh, to carry you through. And so it may be that this is just something that uh, they plan on doing with this show as well. Now, did, did he, I'm looking up, the episode on IMDb because I want to know just how involved Joss Whedon was. Like, did he SH, there we go, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Did he help co-write this episode? Is is he gonna co-write a lot or is it only gonna be up to his brother and Marissa? By the way, I just found out recently that Marissa Tancheron, I think that's how you pronounce it, she was actually in the Doctor Horrible uh, video that, that they made years ago during the writer's strike. Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, I had no idea that she was in that video, but it's neat to put a, a face to a name. My understanding, just and in, in, from reading that interview with Joss and everything, that he had a heavy hand in the pilot, he directed the pilot, he's... It's kind of like his concept, the show in general, like he's come up with the main concept for the show. But my understanding is, other than coming in and kind of peeping his head in every now and then, from here on out, it's pretty much uh, Jed Whedon and Marissa Tancheron that are taking lead on the show as a whole. Because he's just, 
way too busy. Like like uh, Age of Ultron, the second Avengers movie is really gearing up, especially the pre-production casting. Everything else is is in high gear right now, even though the movie's you know a little less than two years away. But he just really doesn't have the time to dedicate to this show. Okay, I'm looking at the IMDb page now, and you know on IMDb pages for TV shows they'll reference you know a number of episodes, like Clark Gregg plays Phil Coulson for three episodes or whatever, you know. Um, right. But the most the greatest number of episodes that they reference on this page is three. So perhaps this hasn't been updated in a while, but it does say under series writing credits that all three, Marissa, Jed, and Joss, are credited for three episodes. That could hmm. just been, this could have just been a template that was built for the show. It could have been, you know, just needs to be updated and maybe he's really not actually writing two additional episodes. But uh... And writing credits are funky too. I mean, just in general, when you talk about movies, TV, whatever, the way that that whole thing is done, you know, to give official credit and, and that kind of thing, it's, it's, it's kind of funky how that, that all lays out. I mean, you'll see it in movies where sometimes when it's multiple people, you'll see like two people's names separated by an ampersand. And sometimes they're just listed one under the other. And that has some right. sort of meaning, um, you know, so so sometimes if you have a certain involvement, um, you're listed, you know, one way or another. So yeah, that 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 could mean he had direct hand or maybe not so much. Hey, uh, Brad, I did find a little reference to uh, Grant Ward and the family comments. Okay, it says uh, we're told that Grant Ward has problems playing nice with others due to his family background. Okay. So, yeah, I could have sworn he said something about family. Yeah, so that's definitely one of the small questions coming out of this episode. Did y'all catch who's doing the uh, music for the show? Bear McCreary? Yeah. Yeah. Friend of the uh, Brother podcast, Walking Dead TV podcast on our network. Um, we interviewed Bear McCreary on that uh, podcast a couple years ago when yep. Walking Dead was starting out. I like his stuff. He's got... He's got uh, He's got a good musical sense. I really dig it. And I was pleased that the music in this didn't sound like The Walking Dead. It sounded very... Very different. Yeah. Yeah. I yes. liked it a lot. Yeah. What, um, one thing that I, I do, I didn't write down, like you guys did, but I'm remembering now. What did Skye stick in her bra? There were three chips, three little flashcard memory chips on that table there. You know what? That just reminded me of something else I was going to ask you guys about. But the answer to your question, there were three chips laying on that table, and she swiped one and put it in her bra. And and this was in her van, correct? So yes. she could be hiding something from them, or she could have been taking something with her to maybe, like, steal some information, or maybe it's like a recording device, like... We don't know. We have no clue, right? She just had three of them in her van and hid one of them for some reason. That's correct. Okay. That made me think of the scene where she she meets Michael for the first time in the diner. She sits down and says, "Just act natural." She reaches over, grabs three sugar packets from the little container. That's and right. Places them out in front of her, 
three side by side, and they show that shot two or three times of the three sugar packets laying there on the table. So that had to be yeah. significant for something. But as soon as you said something about that that memory chip or whatever, and I pictured the three of them laying side by side, it remem- it reminded me of those three sugar packets. So right. maybe she's got a thing with threes, and we'll see other examples of, of so that. He, he's really subtly, and Russ, I think you, you put it, breadcrumbs was the term that you used earlier. He's really very subtly laying out some breadcrumbs for us to follow for the for the characters. Yeah, yeah. Which is interesting. You know, stuff that was easily missed or, uh, you know, said in passing, that type of thing, rather than hitting you over the head with it. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And I think I've I've kind of been reading a few things online where they talk about specific characters um, you know, coming up in future episodes and how they relate to other characters. So one of the things I'm going to be paying close attention to, especially, you know, doing the podcast and kind of giving some inside information to folks, especially uh, that may not be reading the comics and may not see how these things may come together, um, is anytime anybody's name is mentioned, to me, I'm treating that almost like as a significant event. Um to 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 kind of take a look at because I think they're going to be working in you know either scientists or you know researchers or background characters or whatnot and if they mention them by name I think there's a lot of these that may have just real subtle references to characters that we know from from the the comic universe uh, and it'll be interesting to see if they if they, if it's just a passing reference or if that comes to play later down the road. Did you guys have trouble? understanding Fitz and Simmons when they would start talking real fast and to themselves. I, for some reason, I've always had a problem with some accents, like understanding exactly what people are saying. Maybe this time, though, it had a little more to do with the fact that they were both talking at the same time. They were talking in low, hushed tones, and they were talking fast. Because there was at least one exchange between the two of them that I had absolutely no idea what was going on. I think that's kind of the idea. I think they're talking really fast. They finish finish each other's sentences, and the 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 subject matter is like scientific jargon and like a lot of big words and stuff. And I, I think you're meant to like miss some things or be confused. To be honest with you, I've been watching a lot of British television lately. <laughs> Between MI5 and just. Uh like uh, uh, Orphan Black and Doctor Who and stuff like that. So I think I've just kind of trained my brain to listen extra carefully to that uh, British accent. Uh, so I didn't really notice it as as much. So Simmons is really cute. They all are. <laughs> yeah, we're going to have to... I mean, that's just... Again, it's kind of like Arrow, uh, Brad, a show you mentioned, like... <laughs> It's yeah. just you you just have to kind of go with it that all the 23-year-olds have yeah. these super important jobs and are like super highly trained and Oliver Queen is devastatingly handsome. Yeah. Yeah. Not a, and that law firm that what's her name works at is just like a modeling oh, yeah. agency. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Ming-Na Wen is no slouch either and she's what pushing 50 or right at 50, I would say. Yeah, no. She, heck no. She looks great. Yeah, I agree. I'm excited. I'm happy. The end result is that I'm just really happy and and pleased. You know, like you said, we've been dreaming about this, and it's finally here. It finally happened. You know, it's just, 
it's a good day to be a geek, man. It just really is. Yeah. And it's a good day to be a Marvel fan. I mean, that's the thing, man. Yeah. Just to be a Marvel fan in today's world is, we're just lucky. Let me ask you guys a question. Did did this feel like an ABC show? Like, to me, when I was watching it, I was like, it felt like watching, you know, the, the ABC dramas, you know, like Lost or V or any of the, you know, any of the other ones. It just, I, there's just something about it. Like, if, if somebody sat me down in front of this, it just felt like, I don't know, I, I can't explain it, but it just felt like it fit on that network. I get what you're saying, and it is hard to put into words, but I would agree with you. Um, there's something about dramas, and I guess we could call this a drama, right? I mean, it's not a comedy. It's funny. Right, but right. But it's still a drama, action drama, I guess, but there's something about the three major networks. No, I'll say four, because CBS counts, too. Um, there's something <laughs> about those shows on the respective networks that definitely... They do have a feel to them, and it, it is hard to put into words. But yeah, I mean, this felt like an ABC show. Fox shows feels like they're going to be canceled. Yeah. 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 And and this one this one didn't have a sense of urgency to me. Um, I you know, Fox recently premiered a uh, half hour comedy called Dads with Seth Green, and I watched the first episode, and the whole time I'm watching that. It just felt like they knew they were going to be canceled. You know, I don't know how else to say it, but this one this one felt safe. It has to be one of the safest bets in the history of television. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, we said it before. I, I know at least I have on the show. If this thing is even mediocre in the ratings, I think it sticks around just because it's a huge mouthpiece for the movie side of things and vice versa. Right. And as we found out early today, I guess uh, it was better than mediocre in the ratings. Um, yeah. Yeah. I guess it was what a 6.2 overall and a six, nine in the demographic that they feel is most important. I thought it was, hold on. I think I thought it was 4.6. So it delivered 11.9 million viewers and a 4.6 in adults, 18 to 49. So in the, in the key demo, it did a four six, which is is pretty darn good. And for overall viewership, I guess it's had the highest fall premiere of any network show um, in the last four years. The only thing that scares me is the show that it it beat for the for the highest ratings in the last four years was V. <laughs> um, oh, and uh, that. That did well its first season, and then just completely fell off the rails for season two. Um, and, and the key, the key for these shows, as we've done some television podcasts now, and uh, we've learned about ratings a little bit. The key is the second and third episode. Like the pilot's going to yeah. be way and above the most watched. You know, maybe maybe Walking Dead broke that rule. It really picked up steam as it went. But for the most part, you know, everybody's going to check out the pilot on network TV, and then. You got to hope you have strong numbers after that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I thought this was a huge gamble putting this on Tuesday at 7 against NCIS, which kind of historically for dramas is like the highest rated show on television. I mean, not counting American Idol and, you know, some of the, in the in the reality stuff, but yeah. as far as highest scripted, scripted show. You're right, right. Um so I thought that was a huge huge gamble and um NCIS's numbers were down. 
So it, it seemed, and, and, and the voices numbers, I guess, held steady, which was the other show it went against. So it, given the competition, I, I'm, I'm really surprised at how well it did. And it looks like, uh, not sure exactly when this episode will go up, but Thursday they are replaying the pilot um, of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So they're, they're really trying to do what they can to get all that viewership in uh, to catch it. I wonder if it's replacing a show that normally airs on a Thursday. I don't know. I, I know all of the fall stuff hasn't kicked in yet, so it could be they maybe spread stuff out to give it a little... I mean, this isn't uncommon for networks to do this where the week of a, a premiere, especially high-profile thing, that they show it again, um, usually like on a Friday or a Saturday. So it could be they just purposely goosed some room in the schedule and are going to bump some other kind of rerun or something like that to, to let this play out. Maybe we should check uh, and see what some of our listeners have to say. Yeah, we got a couple of uh, Facebook comments. We have a nice Shield podcast Facebook page. If you want to go over and like it, you can follow uh, the action. We try to get some discussion going. We'll let you know when our shows are up first there. Um, we also I put up the picture of the New York skyline that Brad mentioned earlier, so we kind of keep it uh, fresh when we can. Um, let's see. Mike says... Colson is probably a life model decoy. I really dig his stark car, and the character Sky seems to be more complex than she lets on. Uh, I agree with most of that. I think we covered uh, some of that stuff about the life model decoy possibilities. Um, I don't know. Something about Sky. she's definitely got more going on than we've seen, but I, I thought she was maybe a little over the top, uh, Chloe Bennett. I thought she did a little sort of a caricature version of the hacker chick. I don't know. How'd you guys feel about her? Uh, I think she was, to me, she just had Joss Whedon wrote me, you know, written all over her. I mean, that it, it, she was just the most Whedonly, if that's even a word, Whedon-esque written character in the show. So I'm hoping they kind of tone that down a little bit because I agree. It, at times it kind of seemed a little over the top. We also got messages from uh, Dennis and Jason, who are both asking if Coulson is an LMD or a robot. So I, I think we've, you know, there's not much more we can guess about that. My guess right now is no, for the reasons we talked about. But I could see there being some LMD in there. Maybe the Avengers one, the Avengers Coulson was an LMD. Or maybe there was some kind of switch with an LMD somewhere. But I think the Coulson we're seeing now is a legitimate human Coulson. I would uh, hope so. Yeah. Victor also commented, uh, we had been talking a little bit recently about have uh, you know television shows that run concurrently with movies. Um, and he brings up some Super Sentai notes, which is the series that Power Rangers draws its uh, source footage from. I guess the, the Japanese uh, television show. And he says that ran concurrently with a bunch of the movies and stuff. So uh, it it does have a precedent for for being able to happen. I don't know that we'll see that. Um, you know, they're definitely referencing the movies, but so far, really, only the Avengers. I mean, I guess they referenced Iron Man uh, by saying, you know, uh, what was the line? He said, like, t a couple of days ago, everybody thought the coolest thing was the guy in the iron suit, you know, and then New York happened, like something to that effect. Right, yeah. And, well, an extremis, I mean, is a definite, you know, nod to, to Iron Man 3 for sure. Right. All oh, right. Right. 
you know, if they want to, if they want to, you know, bounce this show in and out, in and around the Avengers proper movies, I mean, that's a no-brainer because Avengers more than likely will always show up in the summer. You know, the fringe characters, the individual characters, they have their, their time at the beginning of the end of the year. But Avengers is always going to be a summer tentpole movie. So, you know, it's possible they could set up, if they really wanted to, they could set up the movie by referencing it, you know, in the last few episodes of uh, of a S.H.I.E.L.D. season. Right. Yeah, I almost see this more as, and I can't remember if we've talked about this before, but the the comic book Damage Control... Uh, written by Dwayne McDuffie, where the premise of that comic was the people that came up and cleaned up after all these heroes and villains kind of had their big, you know, fight where they talk about the speci- you know, they talk about what happened maybe in the battle or what caused all this devastation and destruction, but it was their job to kind of clean it up and to make it right. Um, so I kind of see S.H.I.E.L.D. acting that way to some degree, like, They'll reference things that went on tangentially, but not directly. Like, you're not going to see, um, you know, I don't think we're going to see concurrent events. Like, um, you know, S.H.I.E.L.D. characters doing something in a portion of the movie that they just didn't film on screen, but they were, ha- you know, it was happening at the same time. I always think it's going to be kind of a after-the-fact uh, kind of concept. Do we want to maybe uh, rate this pilot episode? Sure. I will give it four out of five flying cars. I liked it. It definitely won me over with a couple of the hardcore comic references and uh, and the jokes. Again, I was a little taken aback by the light tone. Uh, definitely fun, but I don't know that it will be my wheelhouse if it doesn't get a little more serious. But I'm going to give it a four. And uh, it was a good episode, a good start, and hopefully there's a little room for improvement, you know, into that four and a half, five area. I'll give it a four and a quarter, and I think I liked it a little bit better than the rating, but being that it's a pilot, and pilots are traditionally a little weak in general, um, and to give it room to grow, so if there if there's an episode that blows me away, I'm not right at the you know, four and three quarters, five threshold. So I will say four and a quarter. But overall, I, I really, I, I really, really liked it. I, I just, I just think it fired on the right cylinders. Um, I, I think it had the right tone to to give it mass appeal. I think it it had enough to keep, to, you know, definitely keep me going. Along that same line of thought, Russ, I'm going to give it three point seven five rolls of red tape, <laughs> um, because I want to give it room. To grow, I, like you, I don't want to be pinned up against the wall. But I liked it a lot. I'm very happy. I smiled throughout most of the thing. I laughed. Very pleased. I was not disappointed pretty much in anything. But I'm giving it room to grow, but I want to give it as high a 3 as possible. Okay, I'll give it a 3.9. No, 3.75. <laughs> um, There was another bit of news that we wanted to talk about. What was it? Oh, they're oh, going okay. to have a companion web show on uh, abc.com i believe oh. or is it is it just agentsofshield.com where they're going to run that let me check i can't i can't remember i haven't read this article so i'm not even familiar with i have no idea what this is about well let's tell bradley they're going to run a companion 
show on the web. It's going to air, I think, Thursdays, a couple of days after the episode. And it's going to get you caught up on everything that happened on the last episode. And possibly, they did kind of a teaser for it, an introduction that's up already. And it seems like they might be filling people in on like the little comic Easter eggs and stuff as well. Is it the same actors or is it different? No, it's a comedian who I did I was not familiar with. Um, I'm sure Russ will have his name momentarily. Um, it is Brett Ehrlich. Right. And in the little teaser video they have up currently, uh, Brett Ehrlich has a little banter with Clark Gregg. Uh, he's in character as Coulson for a little while, and then he's actually Clark Gregg. And uh, he basically gives you the rundown that, you know, once a week they're going to get you caught up on what happened last and sort of explain some things. And, you know, looks like he's going to tell a lot of silly jokes in the process. And uh, this isn't in the same vein as the Walking Dead webisodes. No, not at all. Okay. No. I think it's it's more like. Supplemental story. More like Talking Dead. Talking Dead light. Okay. Yeah, I got you. I'm okay with that. Yeah, it says it features recaps, sketches, and featurettes to bring the fans up to speed. Uh, The network also plans three expanded installments during the season to delve into the series' more provocative storylines with the help of some special guests. Yeah, so maybe he'll have some cast members drop by and talk about, you know, events on the show and and Anything that gives me more Clark Gregg, I'm good with. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess the current plan for us is, um, you know, I don't know if, It'll happen every week, but, you know, we'll we'll get on to record uh, either the following, you know, Wednesday, Thursday, somewhere around the airing of the show and and get it out at least by the weekend, I would think. Don't uh, hold that to us, but I guess if we go past the weekend, it's kind of silly because a new episode will be airing. So maybe I've said too much. No, yeah, I think, you know, I think if we end up for whatever reason, you know, not going weekly, then for certainly we'll be will be bi-weekly. I think, I think as, as much as we can, we will be weekly, but um, life happens and things come up and that way we're not committed and disappointing people when they pull up their podcatcher and there's not a new episode after uh, every Tuesday's uh, show. I hope um, all three of us can make it, but like Russ said, sometimes life gets in the way, so there'll be at least two of us. This ain't going to be a solo show, I can tell no. you. That. No, no, no. And in the meantime, uh, you can check out all of our old episodes on uh, shieldpodcast.com or, of course, iTunes. You can subscribe, leave uh, ratings and reviews. That would be awesome. And uh, we have the Shield Podcast Twitter and, of course, the uh, Shield Podcast Facebook page as well. So join up on all those, and we'll keep you up to date on all the happenings and postings and stuff like that. You can send us an email at... Uh, shield podcast at hhwlod.com and of course the voicemail 516-468-7912 let us know if we missed anything or we screwed something up or if you love us or hate us we play them all so drop us a line so I guess until next week when we get to find out what uh, what are they 084s What's the code that they give at the end? I think I'm not the details guy. I think it was an 084 or 084, something like that. I'm not sure. 
It's something like that. Well, we're going to find out what something like that is for sure. And uh, we'll see you then. Don't touch Lola. <laughs> Just call us sheep.